Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And the first week of the year, isn't it nice? We've had a little bit of a snow, there's a dusting at least. There's a lot of ice. I don't think you need to water a lot right now. As soon as this thaws, though, for pretty much most of northern Arizona, you can start pruning at your leisure. So it's a big window for pruning throughout the year. So we'll start pruning typically here in the mountains from January 1 through uh, March, something like that. And I thought I would cover some of that here on this show. Just how do you start the process? I would say first and foremost, the easiest of all of the plants is perennials. Those are the flowering things that typically hibernate underground, but then come back fresh every year from the ground. So they're typically like carnations and uh, what are they? Echinaceas and uh, lilies and there's all these series of flowers. California poppies, probably the most famous of them all. Of course, they're all brown, kind of laying over, and they're looking really bad, especially after all this weather. You can just go through, and as soon as you can get out there or want to start pruning back, you can prune all of those back, usually with a, a, a line trimmer, or I use a lawnmower, hedge shears, pruners, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. All that top material is completely dead. I mean, it's just been vaporized, just brown, looks like straw. Typically, I've got, uh, for my gardens, I, I've got it where I can go with the lawnmower, just the electric lawnmower, and go right over it, and I just mulch it right on top of each other, which is perfectly fine as long as you didn't have a lot of disease or, or mildew, insects. If there were no problems, just go and mulch it and have it right there on top of the ground. If you did have a lot of, let's say, powdery mildew issues, this is white spores that kind of cover the, the foliage, last typically summer through fall, so it's been a couple months. If those things were, were if you're having issues with that, cut those back by hand, then throw those away. Burn them. Get rid of them. You don't want them on the property. Those spores can come right back, right back at you. It's the same with roses. As you start pruning roses, it's not quite time to prune roses. Typically, we'll start that in March. Uh, that's that's the ideal month for roses, all roses. Uh, but if you had some mildew issues, prune them back by hand and then get rid of that stuff. Don't compost them. Don't keep them in the yard. Just get rid, throw them in the trash can or the burn pile, whatever it takes. You country folks, you know what a burn pile is because you're out there in the rough and you can just do it. We used to have uh, burn piles in Skull Valley that were the size of barns. I mean, they, the flames would go up 15 feet in the air. There was huge. It was fun. But you had acreage, big, big uh, fields that you can control this. And so um, that, that's kind of where you start. Perennials. Start with those. And you've got now through March. Don't feel like you're rushed. Uh, but but when, you want to, when you want to get out there, go for it. Here in this central highlands, I'd say that's Payson, definitely Sedona, Camp Verde, Cottonwood, the Prescott area, 
it really goes over to Kingman, those areas. This this swath through the middle of the of the state. This is Central Highlands. This is chaparrales. This is manzanitas and junipers and uh, ceanothus and oaks. These grow wild here. Lots of wild grasses like like bear grass, misacanthus. Mis, uh, There's so many native types of plants. Uh, it's it's time to prune those things back when you want. These are a zone seven. So you've got, when you're looking at your garden zones, typically goes from one to about 10, 11, 12. That's the desert stuff. 10, eight, nine, 10 is really, you're getting down to Black Canyon City and Phoenix, Tucson. There's a whole separate zone and those plants won't grow up here because they don't like the cold of winter and our plants won't grow down there because they don't like the heat of summer. And so there's this change. So as you come up that hill from I-17, the zones change almost instantly. You can watch it change. Watch those saguaros. They're, they're, they start where they're everywhere at the bottom. Then as you come up the hill, you're seeing that the swirls will only be facing the south where the sunny areas are, and they disappear from the, from the shadowy, cooler, shadowed areas. And so you can just almost watch those garden zones change as you're, you're coming up very rapidly once you crest up to Sunset Point. Uh, Spring Valley, Quartz Junction, those areas, you're at a totally different zone. Totally different kinds of plants will grow there. Saguaros will not grow up here. Prickly pear will, choyos, a few cacti, really were more famous for yuccas, agaves, prickly pears, of course. These are our native manzanita. We're more famous for those. The Phoenix folks wish they could grow manzanita, but it's too hot for them. They need the winter cold to really do well. In fact, they're really looking good right now. Nothing like a manzanita with a little dusting of snow on them that just brings out that color and that red bark going down to the trunk. It's magnificent. And so those, those plants, they're, they're used to this higher altitude. This would be a zone seven. I would say you folks up in, in Flagstaff, Williams, the White Mountains, you know who you are, so you're tuned in. So those are going to be a zone typically five to six, depending on your elevation and which, if you're east-south facing, you might be a zone warmer. If you're north and direct west facing, you're probably a little bit colder. And so the reason for that, or if you're down in old dipty doo if you walk your neighborhoods, you'll feel the cold air settle in the, in the ravines. That's, that'll be a zone colder. Up on the hilltops, or in the south facing of a hilltop, especially, or, or morning sun. I find my best gardens are facing the morning sun because when it's cool, that sun pops up in spring, like like late February, March. It's still chilly. The sun pops up, warms them right up. And you go, oh, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. Let's grow. And so those are some of my best gardens. In my backyard, that's north facing. There's still lots of snow on the ground, and it's not going to thaw anytime soon. So on the on the other south areas, yeah, they're still they're already thawed, and so those gardens are much cooler. So things grow a little differently down there. So in my own yard, I've got two different zones: a zone seven, and up front, I almost flirt with zone eight. I grow quite a few zone eight plants like barrel cactus and and uh, Mexican palms, some freaky weird stuff that you really can't grow, but gardeners, 
they just like to try it anyway. Uh, so I just try it. And then I've got all the other you know, lilacs, forsythias, and butterfly bush, and so Russian sage, and all the other common ones. So all of those can be pruned back now. So the one I would say I posted on our Instagram uh, page this week. Uh, I was walking the neighborhood in that snow, and, and you, the, the um, autumn sage, or salvia gregii is the Latin name. Salvias, uh, I would wait. They're, they're zone 7B, zone 8. They're a borderline plant, really. So for the borderline, yeah, they love the heat. They bloom from May through November. They're amazing. Hummingbirds love them. They grow about, oh, just below hip high, kind of nice little ball shaped, and they were magnificent. Now they look like twigs coming out of the ground. They look a little rough, and I want to prune them back, but I'll wait until we get through the, the coldest of the cold. Now, this is the first week in January. We're just past our shortest day of the year last week, and so typically about two, three weeks after our shortest day, which was December 21st, it's going to be your coldest day of the year, and so typically that's going to be the middle of January for, for the mountains. Get past the coldest of the winter for those borderline plants and then cut them back. So I would wait. I'm going to wait until middle to the end of February, March, and I'll prune back. When I'm pruning my roses, I typically will, typically will prune back my salvias. You want to keep that structure up. And the picture that I took, the snow had rested or covered the heart of that plant. It was insulating it. And it's always the day after a storm clears out, that's when things get damaged. It gets really cold when those clouds clear off. It gets really cold, and that's where the damage gets done. Well, if that snow is over there protecting the heart of it, you've got the structure of the plant sitting there. It, it helps protect that plant so it gets through a colder winter. So anyway, Lisa Watersland coming in with your garden questions right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane. This, this segment is all about what are you asking? What are other gardeners in the neighborhood talking about? What are they coming in for? What are they seeing? 
And so there's still gardening going on. It's lighter. The tomatoes are gone. There's not a lot of flowers, but there's some things going on. So one thing I'm noticing right now, oh, welcome to the studio, Lisa. Well, thank you. <laughs> so uh, one thing I'm noticing is you're starting to see the winter evergreens turn yellow, that winter chlorosis. If you didn't fertilize back in October, this is when you see, you can, you can walk through your neighbor, you can tell which neighbors didn't fertilize, which has a, the landscape companies, the mow and blow guys are, are just doing it for them and they didn't fertilize it, the right thing or whatever. And, and so you see this yellowing mm -hmm. of the foliage. Some of them in the neighborhood are rich, dark green. Going, oh, those look healthy. The other ones are currently yellow. So Theodore Cedars, Retipotinias, Euonymus Catoniaster. You can just kind of tell. So that's one thing I'm noticing. Mm -hmm. Why are they turning yellow? Just fertilize them. You should fertilize. If you've got new plants right now, yeah. the, the new year is kind of a, a marker. You should fertilize those with an all-purpose plant. We make a, 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 a 744 all-purpose food that we make for here, but it has a lot of sulfur in it. It's got acidic. It's got cottonseed meal. Very acidic. So it makes those evergreens, which like more acidic soil, and it's got some iron and some other stuff. It keeps them green, and it mainly sets the stage. The, the buds will start forming right now through February. The next eight to ten weeks are critical for uh, conifers. That is, things like spruce, pine, fir, cypress, cedars, junipers. These are all conifers. They generally flush once. A year, that's it. In the spring, that's it. And whatever growth you have, that's all you're going to get. Well, if you've got a new landscape, that's the most important thing. You want as much growth as you can. Fertilize them now. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, usually in March, first part of April, do it again, and you'll get the maximum uh, maturity out of that new growth in spring mm -hmm. uh, compared to other folks that didn't do that. Yeah. So anyway. Do you also recommend uh, using the humic acid? Oh, for new things especially. Humic acid is, is it basically, you organic gardeners, you know what humic acid is. It, it's a, if you boil down a, a layer of compost down to its last element, that's humic acid. And so plants thrive on that. They absolutely root out and do better. But if you want the maximum undergrowth for, for plants, humic acid. Mm -hmm. If you want the most top growth, that is the, the new foliage, new needles coming out, the 744 all-purpose food, and they they worked in they work in tandem. Right. They help each other work mm -hmm. better, especially for new anything stress, anything you just want more out of. You want better color. It works really really well. Okay. So anyway, yep, humic acid, all-purpose food. Uh huh. That's the magic. I didn't mean to talk <laughs> about it. I just I was driving through a neighborhood and I went, wow, things are really looking yellow. Yeah. I went, oh, that's the reason why. That's mm -hmm. I just noticed it this week. Well, should we do questions? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Mike has some property out in Kirkland. Great. Mike, you're right. to do some home orchard type thing. Yeah. Wants to know what type of fruit trees and berries would you recommend for that area? Sure. So Mike, we're Skull Valley people. We raised, raised all of our kids in that same valley. So we're very familiar. Love it. We miss it. When our kids started driving, our oldest... <laughs> We said, gee, stupid and teenagers go in the same sentence. Yeah. We didn't want a car involved. So we moved closer to the high school just for safety because we've lost a few of our kids. Uh, I mean, those valley, that we've, we, that's a dangerous road. And so we don't want them drinking and driving, whatever else they do, 
when they're teenagers. It just happens. It's okay. Just try to get them just driving. Yeah, they just learn how to drive. So we moved into town. We still miss it. So big family compound there in Skull Valley. Anyway, Mike, back to fruit trees. You would think you'd be, you're 4,000 foot, 4,200 feet, something like that. We're up to 5,000, 5,200 feet. You're 1,000 feet lower. You would think you'd be warmer. You're not. You need the same trees we use up here because that cold air settles in on those valley areas where, where all those farm ranch new homes are. And so you're dealing with apples and pears are tremendous out there. We had tremendous apricots. They, they do actually better yeah. out in Kirkland. They do here in, let's say, in the Prescott, Prescott Valley area, Chino Valley. Um, peaches do amazingly well. Uh, persimmons, uh, plums will do fantastic. You just want the late bloomers. Mm -hmm. So out of all that you'll be tempted in Kirkland to go with a desert variety, don't do it. Mike, listen to me. Don't do it. You want to stay with the mountain, the higher elevation ones, the ones that need more chilling hours. And those are the ones that are going to perform better for you. So go, um, what else? Uh, apples, nectarines. Uh, he mentioned berries and grapes. Grapes will do amazing. They grow wild down in Kirkland. They'll do well out there from table grapes, like the hemrods, concords. The thing, just the, the one you want to pick off the vine and just, my mouth's watering thinking about them right now. Two vineyard grapes. So your Chardonnays, Cabernets, they'll all do well too. So all of those are well, good. We haven't quite started shipping those. They're, they're starting to, we're starting to plan. Usually mid-January to the, sometime the end of January, we'll start shipping plants in and we start with fruit trees. And so you want to put those in if you can, if you're doing an orchard. Boy, if you could get those in the ground before they wake up that's in spring, great. that's the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that would be by the, by the end of March. I think fruit trees are starting to wake up by then. And so if you can put them in then, don't feel pressured, but you got some time. But you should feel the pressure. <laughs> Go for it. And so that's, that's we'll start loading up early. Yeah. Those, those are kind of the first trucks. Yep. So yeah. into January, February, we start loading up the garden center with fruit trees. Uh, not so much grapes, a few yeah. blueberries, yeah. a few yeah. berries. A few things. A lot of fruit trees mm -hmm. the uh, berries and grapes generally start showing up march so a little bit so you're at the leading edge of spring anyway mm -hmm. you uh, gosh fruit trees all right i love it mike's already <laughs> calling in thinking about think it, ahead. Think it ahead. so julie's out in prescott valley her pampas grass which was big and beautiful yeah lovely, fantastic kind of got roughed up with the snow yeah. Yeah. And the weather. she wants to know is can she trim it back now or should she wait to trim it back. Oh, trim it. You're fine now. You can't kill a pampas grass. You probably need to try. This is a massive grass. It gets up well above head high. Mm -hmm. Those big white plumes. And she's saying it looks a little off because, well, that snow and rain kind of makes those plumes. It kind of beats them down so they look yeah. wispy and thin. It's time. Mm -hmm. Cut them back. Uh, you'll cut them back at your convenience. I would say any time between now and the end of March. Mm -hmm. Pick a nice day. Pull up the chainsaw and whack on it. How far back? back to about knee high so you'll look down in there you'll see this under matting uh, for pampas grass so you're not cutting it right back to the ground like you do all the other grasses you're taking it back to about a foot 18 inches or so and you'll see this the curly cue kind of undergrowth cut it back to there fertilize it with the all-purpose plant food and it will take off for you again another secret with those things that bloom a lot lilacs mm -hmm. all your ornamental grasses uh, fruit trees they would benefit from 
superphosphate. It's zero fifteen zero. When you're fertilizing that, if you could put some superphosphate a couple times in spring to early summer on that plant, you will have even more plumes and they'll be even larger because it's picking up that phosphorus. Uh, that's what makes those flowers and plumes. Uh, things that bloom in the spring, uh, forsythia, flowering quince, rhododendrons, azaleas, camellias, all those things that bloom early, 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 they're going to benefit from superphosphate. And I would say it's now, now this, this, this New Year's time frame, it's a really good time because they're forming those buds right now for spring growth. So you can give it a little bit of phosphorus. Then pray for snow. Super phosphate, pray for snow. Kind of you'll get bigger buds, bigger flowers on your lilacs, better, better flowers. I would say also the super, do that at the same time. The all-purpose plant food, 744, plus super phosphate, 0-15-0. You're going to have one amazing growth mm -hmm. flowers and fragrance this next spring just by timing mean, it kind of seems off winter i shouldn't be doing that this is when they form the buds right now so you should be doing that so there you go the insider tip on better flowers this spring thank you lisa great questions this week can i lisa lane the mountain gardeners back right after this you're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Stress melts away with Waters' finest quality plants curated for a better night's sleep. Imagine a five-star sleep experience waiting for you every night at home. Bask in the comfort of these plants as they absorb harmful chemicals and pollen. Purifying bedroom air, creating your own living oxygen tent, as refreshing as a forest rain. A good night's rest starts at Waters Garden Center. Natural, safe, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott, also found on the web at top10houseplants.com. We believe retirement means more time to garden and plants make you happier at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Ken here with the finds of the week and our Deodore Cedars. A standalone tree so beautifully shaped it's referred to as the Christmas tree. Fastest growing of the evergreen trees used for quick screens, windbreaks, and privacy. Graceful arches sweep through the landscape in colors of blue to green from the stately tree. An evergreen lover's dream for fast, thick growth. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love majestic evergreens, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. I had mentioned at the start of the show that you wanted to wait on certain plants and then you want to proceed quickly on others so start now so there's kind of a, a hierarchy or, or a which ones to go after first right now you're starting with fruit trees shade trees evergreens I would wait on things like roses I'd wait on salvia gregian I mentioned why I'd wait on the evergreens especially the privacy screens like like uh, red tip photinia 
It's a very popular plant. If you prune it back right now, which you could do fine, it would be it's super hardy, it's tough as nails, but you put a little weight on that one, or I do personally, just to keep it looking good in the yard. They're going to start growing in March. You're starting to set some buds right now, but what I would do is I would put that on the last, last of the bushes that I would prune back, and I would, I would do those typically in February, March, because they're going to start growing the end of March, April, and so they can look a little beat up. They look butchered right after pruning and so they'll flush that new growth and cover that up so I always try to prune those back right before they're going to start flushing their new growth that way they don't look so bad for as long so right now enjoy the green uh, I would do the same thing with cotoneaster those are evergreen kind of hardy native shrubs I'd, I'd do it on my junipers I'd wait on those wait till they just start to to flush their spring growth, which will be in March. And so and then they'll just elongate right through spring and get bigger and bolder and stronger and fuller from that point forward. So kind of don't feel like you're in a rush to do everything all at once. Take your time. You got three months to pull that off. I would start with things that, you know, like uh, crepe myrtles, your summer blooming things. I'd start with Rose of Sharon's, Butterfly Bush, things that bloom, is it Smoke Bush. Uh, prune those things back now. Start start first and foremost with those. Shade trees. I prune back your um, uh, the, the maples and aspens and, and locusts. You know, they start to grow to the ground. And so you want to prune those branches back so it, you form it and shape it. So go after those things. There's really two ways to prune, let's say trees, a fruit tree, whatever. Uh, one is thinning, and the other one's called heading. So heading is where you just cut back the bulk, the, give it a haircut, kind of trim it back. A lot of your hedgerows, that's heading. So you're just cutting back the, the thinning is you're following that branch right back to where it connects to another branch, and you cut that entire branch and thin it right out of there, all the way back. Whereas heading, let's say like your head, you're like your hair, heading, you're taking head shears. You just kind of whack it back or uh, just kind of real quickly get, take some wild branches growing out, just cut it back real quick. That's heading. Most of your fruit trees and things, you're going to be thinning those. So you want to strategically go after and tr follow that branch back and then cut it back where it connects to another branch and so it opens up the structure of that plant. Things like butterfly bush, I would say Russian sage, you can prune back right now. Uh, those things, I'll head those so butterfly bush gets 10 feet tall. It's crazy. It needs to be cut back. And so I want to keep it down to that hip to chest high level and have all those butterfly flowers that kind of come up all summers, fall, and autumn long. I want to get it back to where it's under control without taking over entire sections of the yard. So there I'll start with heading it, just get it back to get it back where I can control it. And then I'm looking for some of those. Uh, I want to thin some of the other trunky pieces out of there. I'll track that butterfly bush right back to the ground, and I'll cut a major trunk off right at the ground level. And what that does, you get better flowers from vibrant new growth, and you get vibrant new growth from 
brand new branches. So it's kind of a Rosarian's is what I'm talking about. You know, the, the older trunks on a rose look really thick and barky, and the, the thorns you just want to rip your face off. They just look overgrown. But the ones that have the best flowers have this vibrant green to them. They're just so young and supple, and they're just so flexible. Those form the big, biggest, best flowers. And so I'll cut back one or two of these major trunky branches of my butterfly bush. And I just want to thin some of those out. And that'll keep that alive a little bit longer. What happens is some of these plants may actually overgrow themselves and they stop, they become old and they just stop blooming as well. And so I want to take out some of those that keeps them younger. It's kind of like giving them a facial, I guess. It just keeps all the wrinkles out, kind of makes them all look supple and young and keeps that, that those new branches coming up and reaching for the sun and blooming their hearts out. You, want, you can encourage that as a gardener. You can give your plants a facial. That's how you do it. I just explained it in like six minutes or less. So there's a strategy to that. I would do that for roses, crepe myrtles, rosa sharons, or several, several blooming shrubs typically that that will, will help with. Fruit trees is a whole other subject. In fact, I'll tell you how to, how to get a handout. I've got that published online. I'll show you where to get that towards maybe the next segment or so. But we got to go to another break. Be right back. Lisa Watersling coming in with her segment right after this. Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Hi, Lisa here with the Plants of the Week in our Arizona Gold Euonymus. An excellent choice for colored hedges and as tough as they come. This evergreen displays bold gold, head-high foliage that grows even thicker when sheared. A single shrub makes a bold statement for just $27, but in rows they make excellent visual and sound barriers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love bold gold hedges, they love to shop. We believe in family, church, community, and friendships here at Waters Garden Center. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your... No, that was the last segment. This is just her segment. Keep she up, just kind of, I know, trying to. Oh, the holidays. Too much eggnog. Uh, through the holidays, we parties. We've been to a lot of parties. We're definitely post-pandemic yes. as far as parties go, which is, is kind of fun. Getting back into the swing of things. <laughs> just kidding. Totally just kidding. So yeah. we've been healthy, been fine. We've been healthy. A lot of people haven't. 
but we have been, which is good. I did get this week, well, I, a lot of my friends I'm hanging out with have gotten shingles. Ooh, yeah. Including some good, dear friends of ours in Skull Valley, just kind of mm-hmm. all around, shingles, shingles, shingles. And I guess 50 plus means we're getting older. Which is new. Uh, they're plus, recommending. Plus, yeah, plus, plus, plus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I got it. You want to tell everyone else? Uh, you want to dig a little deeper? Well, you are going on the big six zero this year. Yeah. So anyway, I got my shingle shot. Yes. And uh, it hurt a little bit for a day, and then it's fine. You good? And another six months, I get another one. It's mm-hmm. a two dose deal, and hopefully, I won't have shingles. We'll see. That's the oh. that's the latest one. That's a bad one. Shingles are. They're painful. They can kind. cause you to go blind, I heard. You can get in your eyes, in your mouth. Yeah. Now they just stirred up all the anti-vaxxers, <laughs> folks. The other folks are back. Well, so we just stirred up the pot know, and went. Isn't that the amazing thing program. about America is you get to choose. That's right. Yourself. There we go. We you get like to that. choose. And I choose to garden. What do you I choose to, to garden, too. I'm right with there with you. <laughs> so what do you got for gardening? Well, speaking of gardening and choosing, so I think winter is a, Excellent time to go assess your yard. Yeah. Because it looks very different in the, in the winter than it does in the spring yes, or the indeed. summer or the fall. Um, but I truly believe that all landscapes should be a four-season landscape. So if you don't have stuff going on in your yard in the wintertime, if you got rocks and twigs, you have a very <laughs> unappealing yard. And yeah. there's certainly some things you could do to... to help with that even in the winter time in the winter it brings out your lowest common denominator here you mm-hmm. you get to see all the weaknesses and and you should have 20 percent of your landscape dedicated to evergreen plants mm-hmm. now they can bloom they might look like a christmas tree they might be spreading ground covers but 25 percent of your property of your plants that are they're showing mm-hmm. off should be evergreen 60 percent of your landscaped property should be covered in foliage of some sort. That's the balance. 60%. Not a lot. 60% should be green (laughs) stuff. That's during the growing season. Out of that 60%, uh, 20 of that should be at least 20 should be green. Mm -hmm. Even in the midwinter should be green on it. And so if you get that balance wrong, you'll walk through the neighborhood and you'll go, oh, that looks terrible. Something's off. Mm-hmm. You can't describe it, but you can you feel it when you look at it, right. and that's what it, it's all about. Those percentages. And so designers, they're trying to get that balance right for you and get mm-hmm. get, get a mixture of all four seasons. Right, right. And a lot of people think oh, evergreens. They're just thinking trees. Right. You know, like a spruce or a pine, which certainly count. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of great shrubs that are more leafy type evergreen. You know, the fotinias and andinas. Uh, a lot of things in Euonymus family, Manzanita, a lot of things in the yuccas and agaves. So you don't have to have high water use plants, uh, but it's certainly nice to have something green out there. So I, I would suggest most evergreens are low water users sure. because sure. the way they're evergreen, they're protecting themselves in the winter. They've got a lot of antifreeze in them. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of glossy like waxes and resins in them. So most of those, in fact, I can hardly think on one hand how many high water uses there are really they're mostly they're dry they're most yeah. draw hardy that's true very true good point i hadn't thought of that you're so smart no there you go <laughs> that's why you're the good guy that's right <laughs> but i really encourage people to to you know a lot of times we drive in the driveway pull in the garage and we never look at the front of our homes uh it's really a good time to do that because we tend to go very heavy rock 
here, yeah. which I understand, not knocking it, but you need to equal it out with some green stuff in there. Too. So what do you have in mind? What's your favorite green things? Are you looking at ground covers or shrubs or trees or what? anything? What do you need? Because you got low growing uh, cotoneasters, you got low growing junipers, you got mugo pines that stay shorter, um, any number of things. And right now, if you come into the garden center right now, it's a great time to see what winter stuff looks like. Yeah, because everything right. we have right now is winter hardy. We right. don't, we don't, we're not keeping it if it's not going to take the winter. Uh, so it's a good idea to come in and you can see what it's going to look like in the wintertime. But another great way to add some color into your yard, if you want to do that, is with ceramic pottery. Oh, there we go. Now so, we get into the style and, oh, yeah. and, and flair. If yeah. you have a, a front entryway or your garage or a front walkway that needs a pop of color, uh, ceramic pottery is a great way to do it. And it comes in blues and reds and greens and browns and just some really bright colors. I noticed we got our 2023 styles in. And this year, the, the styles that you're seeing in magazines is solid colors. Mm-hmm. With textures or the texture in the clay, mm-hmm. so it could be a mocha uh, type of, of chocolate-looking pot, but mm-hmm. it has a texture all around it. So either right. a band or div- divots or something mm-hmm. in it that gives it style. So right. they're beautiful. They're pot- a nice pot is like a piece of art. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And the, the great thing about pots is you can grow almost anything in them. So say you don't want to mess with growing a bunch of little flowers in it, throw an evergreen in there. We, we had a pot because we had the wedding at our house. We had a function. And we had this pot that always had flowers in it, but it wasn't looking very good because it was winter. So we went everything out and we put a really nice uh, Japanese garden juniper in there. Fills the pot, looks beautiful. Yeah. Um, so you can put low maintenance things in those pots or leave them empty. It's yeah. up to you. Uh, Never. <laughs> you, show. you should put a plant inside your pots. Don't leave them empty. You should. But it can be an easy plant to take care of that doesn't require pruning or cleaning up and that kind of stuff. Uh, another way to bring attractiveness into your yard is a bird bath. Oh, there you go. Uh, a fountain, a bench, uh, even statuary. And we got some great stuff in. Yeah. Um, just in a wide variety of it's all it's not all just one style so we have like a woodland theme and we have kind of a cottage theme and different things but just having a fountain having that running water uh, is amazing and we've got some that are small I mean I think a lot of people think fountains are thinking oh huge yeah, things right. we got some that they actually call them bubblers uh, they almost look like they're like size with a little insert in it and it just bubbles and makes noise and we have a uh, fountain in our front yard and the birds just love that yeah, thing so right. the cat loves to sit in the window and watch the birds <laughs> but just being able to enjoy that the sound and the motion with the birds uh i think that's a fun thing those bubblers would be great indoors oh, just yeah. as in a, in a entryway or, or a some, I could just see it there in certain yeah. certain homes. Mm-hmm. I just beg for some running, that tinkling sound. Yeah. Other than in the bathroom, <laughs> but in, in the in the house, it could be beautiful. Definitely got some really cute statuary too. Uh, bears, fox, bunnies. 
frogs. They're cute. I like uh, the uh, the bear in a yoga pose. That's, that's my favorite cool. one. I think that's my favorite that's one this year. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, where could I put that? But. So the 2023 spring is starting. So we've gotten our 23 pottery load in. We've gotten our 23, our spring load of, of outdoor fountains and mm -hmm. benches and that kind of stuff. Uh, we're starting to plan right now. We're starting to coordinate the trees. So so fruit trees, mm -hmm. uh, shade trees, uh, um, aspens are coming in. I think the third right. week in January. So we'll start, lilacs will start showing up. Then, be so before we know it. Well, it's just days, it's right <laughs> after the holidays. So we got to be ready for it when it loads because it's full semis. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, that's a lot of planning. It's, it's a lot of work. But it's yeah. fun. It's exciting to think it about. It is. It's seeing all the new stuff and what it looks like. It's so, yeah, spring is coming, people. Yep. Well, no, there's snow on the ground. <laughs> get through. <laughs> Let's get through the last day of 22. Oh, the, the then world. Spring is yeah, coming. Yeah, it sort of is. <laughs> Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. Great advice, Lisa, on how to decorate your or upgrade your winter gardens in your landscape. Be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Hi, Waters with the plants of the week and our Roman Beauty Rosemary. This Mediterranean beauty has graceful, arching branches that flow over rock walls, raised beds, or container's edge. A culinary herb often used in potpourri. Rugged, deer-resistive, evergreen, likes crummy soil, drought, and abuse. Now that's my kind of shrub for under $36. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love unusual, healthy herbs, they love to shop. Uberly plants make you happier, and that local nurseries rock at Waters Garden Center. Hi, Waters with the plant of the week and our red cobweb hens and chicks. Tiny rosettes are covered with crazy cobweb-like hairs, then open and spread to make a dense, succulent ground cover. This drought-loving perennial flushes red in the spring with cactus pink flowers in the summer. Perfect for planting in rock gardens, super attractive in containers, and just $14. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love crazy new succulents, they love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. As we thaw, get past these storms, which is kind of nice to get the moisture. We need this, especially up in the mountains. We need that snowpack that will help us out through spring and next summer. It just makes a difference. It'll help the wildflowers. They're actually absorbing this, and you'll see as soon as we get a nice bright day or bright week, the wildflowers will start to grow. Already I was looking at some of my mums, so chrysanthemums, they're starting to sprout. You can see them coming, just starting to emerge from the ground. The buds, the leaf buds and flower buds on your spring blooming, so red buds apples and pears the the uh, lilacs the buds flower buds are huge right now this storm is really going to play out and make it it's going to be a beautiful spring we need two or three more of these through the end of march and boy it sets stage for really nice gardening for next for this coming spring this this coming year it's 2022 yay 
So things to watch for, it's time to prune. We've been dedicated a couple segments to this, this topic, pruning. We covered perennials. Uh, we can go into real details on very specifics, how to prune a rose or a camellia or a holly or a hedgerow, junipers, uh, fruit trees. I don't have time for that. That's, and it's too much detail to articulate over the airwaves. I can refer you to some great resources. I've written several articles on this. Now, there's no books specifically for the mountains of Arizona, this high altitude gardening. It's kind of on my list to write. It's just it's going to take three months in the winter to pull this off, and I don't have the time right now. But I do write a garden column, two of them, every single week. And so those get posted to our website. And so watersgardencenter.com. Just go to our company website, and, and every article, every video, uh, every garden class we do gets posted there. So it's kind of our repository. And it's not just a static website. It, this is a living, breathing, organic garden content for all of this zone five through nine garden zones. So for our types of gardening, it's good for us. There's a search bar in the upper right-hand corner. Look for that and just type in pruning and all the garden pruning articles, how to prune fruit trees. So there's eight steps to pruning fruit trees. I just wrote that one. Uh, pruning advice, that's a good one. I'm going to go over that one right now. Pruning roses, uh, on and on and on. So it's a good resource, and they're all for here. It's not just something downloaded from Google and you know pirated and thrown on here. No, this is actually when you do it, how you do it for our specific kind of plants here in the mountains of Arizona, which is a little different than, let's say, Chicago or California or the South. This is totally different. We're, we're more like Denver than anything else. But even they're kind of they're different than us. So that's where to go. Watersgardencenter.com. Type in pruning in the search bar. It'll the, the, the bot will go curate everything for you. But in a nutshell, some plants, you just don't even know where to begin. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you where to begin. Or, or as I'm looking at a plant and I'm trying to figure out where do I start, always start with dead branches or damaged branches, broken branches, disease has got the bark to crack on it, or it's off color. You know, because you look at it and go, oh, that's, that doesn't look that healthy. Cut it out of there. Just start with that. Dead wood is never good. Dead, any kind of dead branch attracts more death and decay. So there are certain insects that roam around the forest, like bark beetle, flathead borers. There's all kinds of insects that just look for dead stuff and branches, which means that they're saying that that plant is in trouble. It could be an easy meal. Let's go land and see if we can eat this thing. And so they're looking for that. Certain woodpeckers will come in. They're attracted because they know bugs are attracted to dead wood. And so woodpeckers are attracted to plants with dead wood because they're thinking bugs will be there. It's a protein source. There's this whole nature thing that happens. Point being, no matter what, get rid of dead wood. It's any time of year, take it out of there. But start with that. A broken branch, it got damage in a snowstorm, windstorm. Cut that, cut that out of there. And now all of a sudden, it'll either leave a gaping hole you need to compensate for, or now you can start shaping, you can start seeing the inside. Any kind of, any damaged um, or diseased kind of stuff. Uh, roses, I'm thinking uh, shrubs. A lot of times you'll see 
it's a green branch, but then it's got this purpley off color to it or spotting. The bark is starting to lift and peel. No, oh, that's not so good. So get rid of that. You don't want it. So start with that. Usually by the time you've, you've kind of thinned out and cleared some of this stuff out, you go, oh, you can start to see where to start next. From there, I'll go for branches that are going the wrong direction. So if a branch is growing towards the center of a tree, that's not good. It's, it's, it's actually creating encroaching or, or just kind of overpowering the canopy of that, that plant. Let's say it's a maple or an aspen or redwood, whatever it is, it's growing to the inside, fruit trees especially, plums. They're notorious for growing into themselves. Get those out of there. Things that circle back around and go to the center, get it out of there. I also look for, let's say, you know, I'm 6'2", and I do not want to duck when I, when I walk underneath my shade trees or my evergreens. I would just want to walk through it with confidence and not think about digging my head. So I'll prune my branches up, and then anything growing down to the ground that might catch me in the eye or in the forehead, I'm pruning that out. So I'm, anything growing towards the ground, you don't want it to grow to the ground. You want it to grow up to the sky, to the, to the moon. Prune those things out of there. So locusts are really notorious for having these long tendrils that go right back to the ground. Cut them back. Mesquites can do that for you folks in the lower elevations. A maple, uh, the autumn blaze maple, that red maple, it gets these wild hairs. It just starts growing one long branch right to the ground. Start with that. Once you get some dead branches out of there, some damaged branches and things growing back to the ground, things that are growing into themselves, back or crossing branches, now all of a sudden you can start to see what really needs to start happening. It gets rid of a lot of that inside uh, area that just is overgrown. It causes damage, attracts bugs, encourages disease, leaf spots, and that kind of curls. And so it really, really helps. Then we have to go to, I just want it to stay smaller. I don't want it to get too big. Well, now I'll start to prune it back, get it back to the size that I want. This is really important for things like butterfly bush, um, uh, lilacs, forsythia. There's, some of them get really big, but I only want it to be head high. Well, then cut it back. I should actually, I should go into, you know, which ones of prune we started out with prioritizing. Prune your summer blooming plants back now. Prune your fruit trees back now, this is the time. January is perfect time for doing all of those. Hold off on pruning your, let's say, borderline plants. I said hold off on waiting on salvia gregii, on roses. Wait till March. By then, yes, we can still get frost. We can still have some snow, but that bitter, bitter, you know, single digits kind of cold, that, that chill you through your bones kind of cold, that's over. I mean, it's going to be beautiful during the day. Yes, a storm can come and dump four inches on us, but it's melted by the end of the day. That's March. It's not that bad of weather. It's good. It's a real heavy snow. But keep that structure up over those autumn sages so it helps protect the heart of that plant on your roses so it protects the crown of rose. Kind of wait. Prune those back in March. Things that are blooming in summer, prune them back right now. Spring bloomers are unique. 
do not prune back the very early spring blooming plants. Don't prune back camellias. They're starting to bloom. They'll be in bloom by the end of the month. They're winter bloomers. If you prune them back now, it won't damage the health, but you'll lose all the flowers. Don't prune back lilacs now. Enjoy the blossoms. They'll be in bloom by the end of March and April through May. As soon as they're done blooming, then prune them back. If you prune them back now, it doesn't damage the heart of the plant. You just take all the rose, the, the, the flower buds off. And so enjoy the flowers, then cut it right back. So early spring things you're pruning after they're done blooming. So that'd be lilacs, forsythia, quince, camellias. There's a whole rhodes, azaleas. There's a whole bunch of them. Wait to prune those back. So prioritize them. I got more for you, but I'm coming up on a hard break here. I'll be right back right after this. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. We believe dogs make shopping more fun, so bring your dog to Waters Garden Center. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. We've been talking pruning. The, the main thing I can encourage you, so many folks think they, they, they almost, it's almost like they're pruning off limbs of a puppy dog or something. They're just afraid, they're paralyzed to make a mistake. You can't, it's virtually impossible to make a mistake pruning. Because you're going to fertilize right afterwards. When you're done pruning, this is usually February, March, so you got some time. you got a few weeks. Finish your pruning. You're going to hose down the entire yard, everything in the garden, especially if you have a bunch of blooming, fruiting things. You want to put dormant oil or horticultural oil. That's what will, you'll spray everything that remains. And that's what's going to clean up that yard so you don't get disease, insects, insect eggs, it just cleans, so you start the spring growing season out clean. So that's that's the next thing. Then right after that, you're fertilizing. The month of March is some of the most important fertilizing for the spring season there is. So March is when you fertilize. That's going to, if you make a mistake and you cut back too far, fertilize it, it'll grow its way right out of it. It's, you're not pruning limbs off of puppy dogs. It's like giving a haircut to a beautiful gal, it just it's going to come right back, more voluptuous as as ever, and so that's what a plant they respond positively 
to a, to a haircut. They just do better with pruning. They need to be pruned back some to shape them, to get them to grow in the right direction. So don't be afraid. You're going to fertilize your way out of any, any mistakes. It's okay. Again, for details, check my website, watersgardencenter.com. W-A-T-T-E-R-S, watersgardencenter.com. And it's a huge resource of plants in the upper right-hand corner. It's got a search bar because there's so much content on this. Again, I'm writing two garden columns every week. We're doing a lot of YouTube videos. We just passed a million YouTube downloads. Uh, they're all posted or reference on our website. That's the go-to. Yes, you can go out and go look at YouTube from there, but we, we've got a search bar that goes, oh, we'll look for this. And so it's kind of, a, there's some really good articles. I've got the eight steps to pruning fruit trees, how to prune roses or rose pruning, uh, another one called pruning advice, just a general catch-all as far as angles. It's got pictures, how, how far back, how to take a big limb off. There's a lot into this. Right, entire books are written on how to prune. More than just a 10-minute segment on a really great garden show here in the mountains of Arizona. Use that. It'll really, really help guide you through and print them out, give them to friends, share them uh, with, with folks. It's meant to help you be a better gardener at this higher altitude here in Arizona. We also offer, it's starting up. The spring is like right around the corner. It's kind of exciting. I can't wait. So we're, we're booking all of our, our plants are plugged. Uh, we know which ones we're going to harvest. Some of them have already been harvested and shifted into, into containers. They're rooting out now. They'll be here in, in several weeks. So it's all kind of starting at the farm level very shortly, within two, three, three weeks by the end of January, three weeks or less. Um, Plants will be shipped. They'll be they'll be filling up the garden center. Not all of them at once. We don't have tomatoes yet. Those don't come until the end of March, first part of April. Then there are just waves of them after that. But they're plugged and they're starting to grow. It's kind of exciting from a farmer. It's, it's kind of it's plug them and wait till they mature and get going. But we do offer garden classes every Saturday at nine thirty, and they're starting. January 14th. The first class is going to be Happy Healthy Houseplants with Professional Style. We'll just go over, but by that time, probably the Christmas tree is down. You've got this big void in your living room, and it's just you need some green. It's The days are still kind of dark, so you just need something living, breathing, something to take up to, to add to that interior space. We're going to go over all those houseplants, and we've got a huge load of houseplants coming in right before the class. And so we kind of stock up. So it's a good time. Uh, January 21st at 9.30. The local landscapes with flair. How do you design a four-season climate landscape here in the, in the gardens of Arizona? So, And then January 28th at 9.30. Why January is the month to plant wildflowers. And we go on and on. Take a look at all of those at watersgardencenter.com. Look for the classes button. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in. Did you know that plants can help you sleep better, naturally? At Waters Garden Center, we have beautiful houseplants that not only look great, they clean the air we breathe. Get this. 
Some plants can actually produce oxygen at night and even take mold spores out of the air, making for less tossing and turning and more beauty sleep. Don't lose sleep. Rise and shine with unique, gorgeous houseplants for your best rest yet at Waters Garden Center. Sweet dreams! If you enjoy this show and would like to hear more, please subscribe to The Mountain Gardener wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you'd like even more garden tips, tricks, and helpful advice, please check out my website at watersgardencenter.com for classes, videos, and more. Or my online garden center at top10plants.com. Throughout the week, Lisa and I can be found here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott.